When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney, and I'm super passionate about moving and thinking. On this show, we are going to dive into all things health, fitness, personal development, lifestyle, and political sociocultural. I've always been fascinated by people, and I love learning from the experiences and stories of others. This has been a treat for me, and I hope this is enjoyable and useful for you. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or any way that I can make this a better experience for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Hello, welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm here today with Christy Lee. She's an award-winning anchor who left the corporate-controlled mainstream media to go out on her own to the independence sphere. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. You know, as you know, doing things independently, you're just it just never stops. It's just constant, constant, constant. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it really is. It's like a 24-7. So yeah, and we were just talking about how it can be really kind of overwhelming, especially, you know, kind of in the, the topics that we deal with. So for my audience who may not be as familiar, tell us a little bit about your uh, backstory and why you left the corporate control media. <laughs> Uh, basically being a news anchor, a reporter was just a childhood dream of mine. And, you know, um, I've always been curious, inquisitive at heart. And, uh, rather than, I guess, just take the advice of many advisors and saying like, oh, you know, only a small, small percentage of people can actually break into the field. You know, maybe you should consider this or that. I just was like, you know what, I I can always fall back on something else, but I want to give it a go. So, Mm -hmm. um, with a lot of, Failures along the way. I was, you know, long story short, able to rise to that position of lead anchor in my own local community on the station I grew up watching. And I'm forever grateful and so blessed that I got to experience that. It wasn't all bad, um, which is what I I like to make clear um, because obviously there's many horrific things going on in journalism right now. um, And that's why it's so disheartening because I had a lot of great experiences and I'm so blessed and grateful for um, that opportunity. But um, in terms of TV news, I was in uh, specifically TV news for 13 years. And the whole like last half of that was acting as a evening news, main evening news anchor, lead anchor, um, most recently in California. And that was like a huge, you know, take a risk and go for it kind of a decision as well, because, you know, I had spent my whole career, had my children and everything um, went to college all within my own community. And, um, I just was like, it was like an hour and ever thing moved across the country from Ohio to California and was really excited about the prospect of seeing how another community 
how they do their news, like what's important to them talking about different subjects, because anyone that's in the news business realizes that if you stay in a particular area for a certain amount of time, you just end up kind of like cycling the same stories every year, because obviously those are, are the events and the things that are important to that community. But I wanted more of a challenge. I wanted to talk about uh, different things. Well, the joke was on me because I got in California in March, 2020, which we have now come to know as basically when COVID pandemic was set in motion. <laughs> so I ended up getting like in that pigeonhole of every day. It was ticker, uh, stories about masking up stories about, uh, COVID. And then on top of it, it was an election year. And so it was either like COVID or election, COVID or election. Mm-hmm. And what was really distressing about the situation was just, um, of course I noticed problems along the way and my eyes are even clearer now to the problems that had existed in media, um, before then, but this was so bold and so crazy that, um, it, it, I mean, it helped open my eyes to other experiences I had had and seeing things in a new light. Uh, I just couldn't believe that, these, so many of these stories were like basically telling our viewers what to do and what to think oftentimes without any sources, if there were sources given, it was what many of us have come to know and learn by now the vague experts say, or doctors say, you know, as, as if there was this uniformity and approach about a virus that no one really knew that was so new yet we were going to take this like uniform approach that everybody was on the same page. It didn't make sense to me. Um, and then obviously, um, the news was very boldly biased against the Trump administration as we were heading into an election year Mm -hmm. and I'm an independent, I'm not Republican or Democrat, um, been independent for a long time. And, and much of that was by virtue of that I'd been in the news business for so long. I was, I was like, I wanted to be independent. I wanted to be, um, impartial. And, and so I took that stance politically as well. I was frustrated with both sides. Um, and, but it didn't take a rocket scientist to, to, or, or any kind of level of independence to see that it was extremely biased. And, and this was, I was at a Fox affiliate under Sinclair ownership, which you would tend to think would have been more favorable to um, the Republicans or the Trump position, but it wasn't Um, frequently in the scripts that obviously I didn't have control over or direct control over rather um, would be sentences that would say false allegations without evidence, but it wouldn't expand on that and it wouldn't give it a source. So I was constantly coming to my news director who shared the same values of just something wasn't right. And um, when he, when my news director um, was let go after a long career, um, it was within the month that I was let go. Um, Now at face value, um, you can't, it's not tied to anything that we're saying or any resistance we were putting up. Uh, There were for other reasons. Um, The rational side of me wants to say, okay, well, Sinclair laid off thousands of people across the nation due to the pandemic. Um, And I was the newest face on that station and one of the highest paid being a lead anchor. So 
makes sense. I would be laid off among those. Um, but then who knows? <laughs> who knows if it had, I, I don't know. Cause there's people that are like, oh, we know why you were laid off. It's cause you know, you dared to yeah, maybe, um, or it could be less exciting and it could just be because, you know, I'm one of thousands, you know, one of the higher paid in newest face, which makes sense too. So I really don't know either way. Um, it was like a, it was scary. But it was like a sigh of relief because I'd been struggling with like this. I used to love this. I used to love this in my childhood dream. And now suddenly it's just a mess and I don't feel right about what's going on. I don't like to feel complicit in it in it in any way. But here I am in California with three kids, a single mom at the time. And, um, I can't just be like, I'm not going to do this. Drop the mic. Now, some people did, and that's great. And I support everyone that, that we've seen do have like a drop the mic moment. That was not my path. That was not something I could do. Uh, It would have been extremely irresponsible, but I love that because, you know, I have faith in Christ and had been sharing in prayer and devotions, my struggle with this. And, you know, what do I do? You know, God, like, and then he answered it for me. Like he didn't make, make that decision. That's how I see it. He's like, well, I've got this figured out for you. This is what I'm going to do. Uh, here you go. You don't have to make this decision anymore. So, um, so yeah. And then it was like a faith journey, obviously from that moment forward. So I know that's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Take a step back and like ask me anything else. (laughs) Sure. Um, I would like to go back, but before I do that, I I would love to hear what made you decide not to apply for another kind of corporate uh, media job, right? So that was like a a journey as well. I think I knew immediately that, that that was not God's plan for me, but the, we'll say responsible, like, driven by fear, part of me was like, well, you know, maybe like, I'm just going to leave it open, you know, God, wherever you want me, I'm going to keep this an open door. Um, just, just show me where you want me to go. Um, cause I, I don't know what to do. And so basically I had an, an agent out of New York and he was continuing to look and he was warning me, well, it was kind of like a group. So I had an agent out of New York, New York and one in Chicago. And, um, the one they were like saying, this is a tough time because of the pandemic. So we might not be able to find placement quite as quickly. So I was filling that time with like starting um, just a blog about uh, basically, you know, I called it diary of a laid off journalist because there were so many other people that were going through these major life changes because of the pandemic. And so I was just trying to share vulnerably, like what I was going through and like kind of in real time, the, my reflections and, and all of that. So I was doing that. And then I was like, well, I'm in California. I always kind of, I used to be a theater minor. Maybe I should see what I can do. <laughs> like acting wise. So I did a commercial out there, you know, I was just kind of like filling my time. And, um, and, and then also, you know, um, like I said, I think I knew immediately that God was calling me to independent journalism. It, it was something I'd been talking about even while still employed, like, ah, oh, if I could just do this on my own. But, you know, I think throughout the Bible, we see all those examples of people like that were called to do something, but there's part of them that resists. And that was me, you know, like God telling Jonah, go to Nineveh and like share the gospel. And he was like, uh, I think I'm going to go that way. <laughs> so I think there was a little bit of that in this whole journey. But I mean, I still, I still went, I still wrote my story out basically. Um, and then I, I shared it with, I kind of wrote like a list of, 
of independent, um, news operations mm-hmm. and, and then just like sent my story out. Oh, wow. And I basically, I basically, um, only heard right away back from, uh, OAN and mm-hmm. then, um, and then randomly from one that was kind of like, I felt silly sending it to you, but my husband, on the encouragement of my husband and my mom, I also had sent amongst the, the basket of emails, um, one to Infowars as well. And so those were the two I heard back and, um, from OEN, um, had great conversations with them. Um, but you know, that would have kept me in San Diego, mm-hmm. kept me in California sure. and, um, at a price point that just, I couldn't, it would have been like less than what I had been making as even a, a news anchor in Fresno, which was kind of strange. So I was like, well, I can't rationalize that. Um, and then it, it just was like a continued conversation with Infowars while I um, was taking steps to, to launch something independently, whether I was contributing to them or not. Um, so after a long time, I finally was like sent out, um, they had me flown out to Infowars and I, with, with nothing, like I couldn't get them to tell me like why they were having me come. I was like, well, I can't just like show up on Infowars. Like I still have my agent, like seeing what might be available. <laughs> if I, if I show up there, that that's decisions done. I can't look back, you know, right. <laughs> not as a traditional news anchor, you know, that's your decision's done. You can't go back from that. Um, so, but they hadn't really mentioned that they were going to offer any kind of like a job or anything to me either. So I had no idea what I was walking into, um, had a meeting with them and, um, basically shared my values. Uh, they said that they, uh, were looking to basically sponsor some more people that could get reports for them. Um, I was very frank with, uh, Alex, you know, um, I don't think that you and I think the same way. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to go on a long shot and tell you, you know, I don't think you and I are really on the same page. You know, I still want to do news and I still want to do it, um, the way that I am convicted to. And I also want to bring a faith element into it because that's really been a huge part of my journey. And he's like, well, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus, you know? <laughs> so, um, so anyways, he, 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 he was basically like, okay, let's do this. Like I'll, I'll sponsor you and you just contribute, you know, to us. Um, and he's like, want to come, come on the show. And I was like, well, I don't even know. He could just be saying that and then have me come on the show and be like, oh, never mind. You know what I mean? Like it, there was, there was nothing written down. So, wow. so it was a lot of trust that went both ways. Um, sure. but I was like, okay, I just gotta, I just gotta pull the trigger on this, you know? Um, and so I stepped out and I call, or I, well, actually, I, I don't think I did. I call, I think I did call. Yeah. I called, I did call, even though I didn't want to my agent. Um, but he didn't answer, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, uh, shot off an email just saying like, after much consideration, I've decided to go independent. Um, you know, like, thanks for everything you've done, but you know, this is, this, this, my values are not aligning with the direction in which news has been headed. So essentially something like that and right. left it at that. I think uh, he did call, try calling you back later, but I didn't, I didn't <laughs> Um, and then I think, and then I didn't hear from him again after showing, <laughs> showing up. On his board. So it all worked itself out. So basically, yeah, hopped on, on, um, without even anything like exactly worked out, hopped on, uh, Infowars to basically share my story as like a whistleblower and insider. 
and then um, just got to work. And then, well, actually it was, it was, it's, oh my gosh, just looking back, it was just all so crazy because um, I was trying to set up independent news, um, be a contributor for InfoWars. But at the same time, I was planning a rush wedding with my husband who I had been in a long distance relationship. He had been in Ohio. I was in California for the entire year of the pandemic. Um, so then we were like rushing a wedding together. Um, so then I went back home to Ohio, got married in, at the end of the Ju- at the end of June, about a week later, um, my, my new husband and I hopped in a car and drove to Texas, stayed in an extended stay for seven days. Um, that was our limits to find some place to live, managed to find um, a place the very last day. <laughs> Thanks, Amazing. God. I, mean, I know, like, <laughs> it's just like, it's like a theme. Like God is just like, always like bring me up to the brink, uh, you know, like up until the point that I like, you. I know. And then, and then suddenly, <laughs> boom, you know, so it's just, I don't know. It's just so crazy thinking about all of it, but all of it happened so fast. And so here I am still trying to figure all this out. Um, hopefully growing and finding my voice in this now increasingly big pool of people that um, are jumping into this thing. Um, but it's so much more fulfilling. I feel so much better about what I'm doing than um, what I was doing before. So yeah, yeah. I, I quickly want to tell you about uh, Ohan. So, like years ago, I think like when they were first starting up, I I did a show for them, and I lived in Santa Monica, so oh. San Diego, and it was Friday at noon the the show that I did. So it was literally through rush hour, four hours to drive down there, and then it could be four plus, sometimes six hours on the way back. And I did it for several months until I finally was like, I can't do this. This is insane. And of course, they don't give you the topics till the day of. So I'd literally be on the drive and have to start thinking. It's not like I can start researching, you know, it was crazy. Yeah. I mean, it was, I'm not sorry I did it. It was a good experience, Um, but it was just not sustainable. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the thing, like, I mean, I respect what OEN is trying yeah, to do sure. and I wish you know that something could have been worked out totally. but yeah I just it wasn't gonna be fiscally responsible at, or make sense for my kids because you know okay. I'd homeschooled my kids the entire year that I was in California because the school system is such a mess down there um, and that wasn't sustainable either I was homeschooling them by day and then anchoring the news wow. by night and it, I mean so so much <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's a I lot. I don't regret it. Um, I and I was just talking about this the other day. I don't regret it one bit. I wish right. I could homeschool them more. I may homeschool them more in the future when when I can get into some kind of groove. Um, right. but either way, if that's the only bit of homeschooling my boys got, um, you see such a difference in just even taking a year of pulling them out of the system. We'll say yeah. I had homeschooled my daughter for fifth and sixth grade. She went to school for seventh, and then um, I homeschooled them all three in California when they were at grade levels um, eight, uh, six, fifth and sixth. Wow. Um, and then now they're back in school here in Texas. Um, just felt like it was going to be the best thing while we all tried to find a groove, um, new blended family, new job, new state. Uh, I felt like they could benefit from, for, from some structure and getting, um, 
to know other kids. Now that's been like a whole another crazy um, thing though, just with battling school over the masks and um, the yeah. ideology. Uh, but that gave me something to talk about, I guess. I mean, that was like <laughs> instant, instant stories. And, you know, um, again, I was like kind of frustrated because I was like so excited to come from California to get into what I thought like a more freedom loving, God loving state. And then here I end up in like the most liberal um, part of it. And I don't even want to say liberal because liberal isn't even what it means anymore. I want to say like authoritarian. That's what I mean. Like authoritarian um, hates life (laughs) (laughs) situation. That's, I feel like, more descriptive of where I ended up. Um, But like, I just feel like God was like, you're not done with what I need you to do with the fight. And this is where I need you right now. So here I am. <laughs> yeah. Still, still fighting tyranny. <laughs> yeah. Austin, you're in Austin, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And Austin's uh, my, my old uh, company headquarters were there. And uh, I was like, what? my old company headquarters were in Austin. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I was coming from, and I was in Santa Monica at the time. I was like, there's no way I'm moving here because I I could see even then that it was going to be worse. Like they took everything that was bad there and just like transported it, replicated it. I mean, it was just, it was mainly um, by necessity so that I could be close to like, uh, obviously the uh, Alex's studio. uh, I have gotten opportunity to to guest host on multiple times. Um, and, and then it just makes easier contributing to totally. So, um, plus I knew that like, this is pretty much, even though it like, it is a terrible place, um, as far as ideology goes, <laughs> it, for whatever reason it, it, it's become like almost the podcast capital. It has very much so, so I that's why that I considered it. it, but then I was like, oh no, don't do that. But yeah, yeah. for sure. I, I definitely did consider it for that reason. It's become very much the podcast Mecca, um, yeah. So yeah, you, good if you're independent and you need to try and foster those collaborations and, yes. and things like that, um, long-term my husband and I are already like trying to look outside of it in terms of like maybe getting land and, you know, that way we can still be like close, but out of, <laughs> out of, <this laughs> right. Area. So Not I don't in know. the hub, we'll but close enough yeah. to it. Yeah. I don't know how God's going to make that happen, but I'm excited to find out. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm excited to find out as well. Your journey has been very uh, interesting and inspiring to watch. So, yeah. So you, I, I'm curious about the homeschooling because you were homeschooled for a while yourself, right? Yeah. My whole basis schooling was um, homeschooling, which is something I highly recommend. Like if you are going to homeschool, like do it at the elementary age level, because I feel like at the elementary age level to be homeschooled and even into middle school, I, I didn't go to school really until high school, but, um, it, it just gave, it grounded me. I feel like I, I, uh, had a deep sense of who I was. I, um, and what our values as a family were and, um, grew in confidence that without like the need of day-to-day peer relationships at just age level. So I've always been able to talk to people of all ages because I didn't have that grounding of, I guess you could say pure dependency, um, and able to critical think and able to be a self-starter, um, things like that. So a lot of, I think really great qualities that come out of homeschooling as your base level of education. That being said, um, 
it does depend on how people do it. Uh, my mom took a very like free approach, we'll say, uh, as far as I slept in some days we took field trips, did, did work at the park. Um, I could spend as long as I needed to on math, which was, which was always a struggle for me. So I would always spend like extra time on math and then like breeze through my English and, and others of those studies. So when I did go to high school, it was, it was, um, definitely not a necessarily easy transition, um, because we approached school in that way. Cause I had to learn how to like play squad to learn how to get up early and know that you get the same amount of time on every subject because of that bell, you know, which are not necessarily good things in, in how the school is structured, but it is structured that way nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, the, but I mean, I made it, I figured it out. So it's not, it wasn't like crazy. I mean, I started, it's funny. We, my mom and I joke about how going to public school made me stupider because, because I started out based on testing levels. I was placed in all honors classes when I first entered uh, high school. But then like, as the years went on, then I, then I was like demoted to advanced. And then like by senior year, I was like at all <laughs> regular grade. <laughs> but um, the, the thing is, is um, I've always been an extremely social person. And so like, the culture shock of getting to see people every single day. Not that I was sheltered. I mean, I, I had right. church, I got out, but like this being like an everyday thing, I think for me and my personality, um, I just wanted to soak up all of the social aspects. Um, so right. it's funny, like if you look back at my yearbooks, I'm like in every club picture. <laughs> like, I just, so I, I think for me, like it, the public school. I mean, like the school wasn't really about the school. I think I, cause I felt like I knew a lot of that stuff already. And so I was just taking right. the opportunity to just be like, let's be social. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I know that like homeschooling isn't, um, something every family can do. So I don't judge anyone that can't, I'm clearly my kids are in public school right now. Right. Um, but yeah, try and work it in at some point if you can. Um, and, uh, if you can't try and bring some of those values home, like my husband is so awesome. God is so gracious to have picked out uh, somebody, you know, give me this a second chance if you will. Um, and he, he is like doing a book club with the kids oh, over the summer. Awesome. So he picked out, um, they're, they're going to go home, like basically for this summer to see their biological father. But, um, he's, uh, my husband is having like picked out books that he thinks will like grow them in character about actual real people, like the biography of Benjamin Franklin, things like that. Um, yeah. and he's, he's bribed them. <laughs> I don't know if this, <laughs> this is the good part of it, but he's like, if you read these books and you, you write notes on them over the summer, he's like, you'll get $50, you know, by the end of the summer, which is big for my kids. Cause we don't really pay them for chores or anything like something <laughs> right <laughs> so um so they're excited about it and I'm excited yeah, for them. you've incentivized them you've taught them that you know if you work hard there there may be rewards <laughs> yeah so even though we're not basically my point is even though that we're not homeschooling them right now he's giving them something else to do that uh would mirror something you would do in homeschool like independent study basically right that's awesome. That's super awesome. So I want to backtrack a little bit and talk about your experience in uh, mainstream media. And maybe you can tell us a little bit about some of the things that you found were the most 
uh, shocking and disappointing in those experiences? Um, well, like I said, the, all of a sudden having all these adjectives put into scripts was foreign to me. I mean, that is not how you are trained, if you will, or educated in journalism to approach it. Um, it's not, it's not punditry. It's not opinion columns. So adjectives are unnecessary. Um, you're just basically (laughs) tasked, the, the root of journalism is you're tasked with delivering information that means you're going to your sources and then you're telling your audience well this is what my sources said i mean that's really as simplistic as it is now there's tenets of journalism that in this um delivery system you're you're supposed to follow tenets such as holding those in power accountable you know and and boy have we seen astray from that Uh, now it just seems like traditional news is public relations. I mean, they're just like essentially parroting um, press releases rather than really digging in and finding out what those in power are doing and, and what it's the ramifications of it. We're not seeing that. Instead, you know, we see people like Taylor Lorenz, who is holding private citizens and anonymous ones at that accountable, like libs of TikTok. You know, she spends her time doing an expose basically on this average ordinary citizen that wished to remain anonymous and was just basically taking public information, what people were publicly putting out there on TikTok and, and putting it to a wider audience. Um, that's, that's all she was guilty of. And then, right. and then the same person goes on the defense and accuses um, people of bullying and harassing this disinformation czar. And uh, she's somebody that, that was going to be put in power was going to be like an agent of the government essentially and she and taylor lorenz decides it's more appropriate to defend this person you know it's like where is your tenant of holding those in power accountable i mean this is insane um so that has been extremely shocking to see um as far as a shift goes and just like the lack of sources you you have all these um supposed news news anchors just saying things like everyone should be wearing masks, you know, and then they won't even, it's like their opinion, like, it's because it's like, okay, who's according to who, you know, occasionally they'll say, I mean, I was adding things like according to the CDC, because even if I was, uh, if that was in my script, I would say according to the CDC, because at least you're attributing it to who is giving this directive, you know, and then you can decide whether or not you want to trust them. Um, right. Fortunately, people have figured out that these directives were from federal agencies and that um, clearly there is a problem here. We can't trust them because the data doesn't either the data doesn't really back up what they're saying or they're just flat out trying to hide it, as we saw with the FDA and trying to hide that information for 75 years. So um, those were the biggest things. And then in reflecting back, things that I thought that were weird um, just became more apparent and in, in the more my eyes were open to the whole system. I mean, a lot of my blame about the way journalism has changed is um, attributed to the onslaught of social media efforts. So basically, um, I entered the business when social media was just starting to become a thing and basically saw its um, evolution in terms of how it was integrated into news delivery. So much show that uh, at every news station I worked at, there was a big screen that would tally basically people's engagement 
um, and you could see where you ranked. Um, not only where you ranked against your uh, colleagues within the news organization, but also your competitors. And um, many journalists, one of our, our attributes is to be competitive. So competitive <laughs> about wanting to be number one on that board. But um, in terms of like what that did in our substance of what we posted, at least on social media, um, yeah. it, it was really damaging. Um, I found that when I would do an investigative piece and work maybe two weeks on it and release that on Facebook, uh, it would get some good engagement, but it wouldn't get me to number one. What did get me to number one is uh, when Sonic released their pickle slush flavor and I would go get one and take a selfie with it and be like, <laughs> I think it's great. What do you think? I mean, this is, and, and I was rewarded for that because it'd be like, oh, Christy's number one again this week. And, but I mean, that's not something to be proud of. I mean, <laughs> I, and I admit, I'm admitting to you that like I fell into it in terms of like, mm. well, this is what's going to help me achieve that particular goal. And, but it's so stupid. And like, this is the state of our society, you know, <laughs> what it's been reduced to not only that, but um, as social media was more integrated, we of course would have meetings both on the company wide level and uh, newsroom level about what, what would make the most engaging of social media posts. And ultimately what they were saying um, more or less was um, when you share a story, uh, pick something out that is, and they wouldn't say it in these words, but I'm reducing to basically the message that we were given. Um, pick the most divisive part of your story out and incorporate that into how you um, share it and ask a question. So basically whatever, you know, would get people, arguing in the comments, well, that's engagement. That's back and forth. Right. That's another engage, 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 um, which to advertisers, the more engagement that there is, sure. obviously, the more they're going to want to invest. So that's why we are encouraged to really think about how we shared uh, the headlines and, and um, ask a question and encourage people to share their opinion. So basically um, this whole notion that media is contributing to the divisiveness in our society is 100% true. And it's yeah. never been more true because I've experienced and my personally newsrooms and company-wide meetings where they are encouraging their staff to increase engagement and do that by essentially um, picking the most sensational divisive topics. Um, and, and it, what's funny is this in real time, when you read, uh, an article, let's say just pick anyone, NPR, Reuters, whatever. And you read like how they frame the story ahead of the article, then go ahead and do what most people don't actually read the article. A lot of times the, the way that they're framing the story is either completely contradictory to what is actually presented in the article, in the article yep. or it's just this minute little point made, but they're yep. like, what's but the most catchy. divisive point? Yeah. What's the most touchy thing? And I'm going to share this article with that point so that people will argue in the comments, increasing engagement, which increases ad dollars. And it's really, really sad. Yeah, no, it is really, really sad. And it's antithetical to everything you would think journalism should be about. So. Exactly. What yeah. have you found going into the independent in, independent sphere? Like, what are some of the challenges? Like, what are some of the things you see that you're really pleased to see? What are some things that may have disappointed you and been surprising? Um, I mean, 
one of the things that is most frustrating about independent journalism is the fact that we work really hard, you know, and we should be rewarded for that. We should, you know, be able to make a sustainable living um, in this space. The reason we can't is because of the big tech organizations, you know, that are actively suppressing us, actively shadow banning us and making it so difficult to grow. Um, so that's so frustrating because it's just so, it's so corrupt. You know, if I, again, if I was doing, um, dance videos or, uh, slushy Sundays, (laughs) then maybe I would be making more money right now. Um, but it's so difficult to, um, to, make a living and to grow. That's like the most frustrating experience is because like, I know that I can put out good content. I can talk to fascinating people, but just the efforts to shut me down and, you know, never know when I'm going to be kicked off a certain um, platform is hard. And it's frustrating that more people won't turn to the alternatives because I still have um, large followings on, we'll call it the mainstream social media apps, but it's like pulling teeth to get anybody to transfer, you know, and I'm constantly saying like, please follow me here or there, you know, and not just here. And it's just, it's like, why do so many, I I don't want people to, I don't necessarily want people to leave like spaces like Twitter and, and Facebook, um, because I think that our voices are important there, Mm -hmm. but but please, like, if you're supporting the efforts of independence and free speech and free thought, then please take and make the time to support those um, on the alternatives. Because if at any time the main sources that we have to communicate can be taken away from us and shut down at any time, like, don't you want to have these backups in place? So that's what that's really frustrating. The other frustrating thing is I do feel. I'm going to be very candid here. I do feel that um, those on this side can sometimes fall victim to the very criticisms that we've had of the other side. What I mean by that is it is difficult to not fall into sensationalism Mm -hmm. uh, um, to, again, attract people that at least click on your, your um, so that's frustrating, but it's kind of like, it's just the name of the game, um, in terms of like getting people to actually look at it. Uh, so that's frustrating. Um, and also I had a really fascinating infer, um, informative interview with our friend, Dr. Malone and, um, Professor Desmet, and uh, they talked about this whole concept of counter mass formation, where um, the whole idea behind mass formation is there's this fear, right? Mm-hmm. And and everybody's directed toward this fear, and um, what they're they're warning against, which I think is valid, but many people probably don't want to hear, is that uh, fear can be used on the independent side too. You know, we, we're right to be afraid of sure. of like the globalists and the deep mm-hmm. state. Like we need to be aware of it. But, um, I guess what my point is like, we can't be so obsessed with it either, you know, um, that we just end up blaming everything on that and not what we can do to embark change and, um, make changes in our own small circles of influence, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I I think that's so profound because, you know, uh, a lot of people on that side to talk about, you know, how fear is their tool. It, you know, it's their tool for propaganda, for manipulation, for control. And the 
the the counteraction to that is not more fear about what they're doing. It's solutions. It's hope. It's, you know, some sort of optimism. That's actually what drives people. You know, it's really interesting in psychology. They uh, talk about like a learned uh, helplessness Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, that, and it's really actually like learned helpless. It really is actually the learned state. It's not a default state. Human beings actually default to hope because we're survival beings. We want to survive and hope is what propels us forward. It's what gives us that impetus to keep trying, even when things are dark, even when things are trying, you know, it's a hope and hope is that I, I think a lot of people think of hope as being kind of Pollyanna. And, you know, when you actually look at the definition of hope, it actually means that you have a sense of having control over something in your future. That's literally what hope is about. So that's, Really, we we need to empower people, not get caught up in the fear cycle, right? And and not to allow fear or or um, trust trust in who we think is going to fight back for us, you know, to paralyze us. I mean, I think that we saw that a lot with the Q movement, trust the plan, trust the plan, trust the plan. And it's just like, and that allowed some people to just do nothing, you know, and here we are. I, I, to this day, don't have any idea what Q is, who perpetrated it, if there's any truth to it. I don't know. I mean, and I, I mean, I'm not going to get hung up on whether it's true or not. I mean, just the mere, that's been a strange phenomenon too, because things like that are so polarizing even within our community like if you say you think it's a bunch of bs then people are gonna are gonna be like how dare you you're not one of them you must be a controlled opposition you're cia or something like that um but then if you obviously are all in on the q stuff then um you're gonna get ridiculed and everything for that as well um i'm gonna take my honest opinion i don't know what to think about it. What I do know is that I can't control any of that. I don't know whether to believe it or not because I don't know whether to believe any, if there's any uh, validity to any of that, then again, it comes back to you. You need to be your own hero. You need to be doing what you can in your own community to inspire change and positive change. And, And it can spread from there. If we were all trying to influence our direct spheres of influence, then we don't need a hero. We don't need a cue. We don't need a John F. Kennedy Jr. You know what I mean? Like we can be our own heroes, you know? Exactly. Awesome. Get oh, your I, own I life in order. You can be your own <laughs> 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 I, This is so funny. This is how my brain works. My kids make fun of me all the time because like I, I, I correlate all sayings and all things and everything that's happening a, po- a song will pop into my head and my daughter was just like, mom, you always do that. I'm like, I can't help it. <laughs> I, I used to do that a lot as a kid actually. And I had tried to, when I was in high school, I was going to do a research project on it and try and figure out like the, uh, you know, neurological phenomenon that makes that occur. But mm-hmm. it, it turned out to be too daunting a project for a high school student. Yeah. Um, I ended up doing a dream analysis, which the actual thesis I proposed was also too daunting. They told me that, you know, I needed a PhD MD to conduct the study and, you know, kind of oh like me. So, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I totally get it. I'd be like, the, you know, any idea. And then there's a song that relates to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that are made in our brains, but I mean, um, song and music is such a great way to memorize to have memorized things. And, and so I think maybe yeah. it has to do with that. Uh, totally. In homeschooling, my mom would use all these tapes way back then. Tapes. Remember audio tapes? 
Yeah, um, I, I remember those. <laughs> that's, that's how I like learned, um, you know, multiplication. There's Schoolhouse Rock. There's where places were, you know, and then I f- found it. It's helped me remember Bible verses as well. Just coming up with a tune, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, it's very correlated to memory. Absolutely. It's a really powerful, powerful way to remember things. Um, so I was going to ask you about your political views, because you said you were independent and intentionally so because you wanted to have some aspect of neutrality as a journalist. I'm curious where they are, where they've been and have you, has there been any uh, evolution in your personal views and ideology? Well, I think most people assume that I'm Republican and conservative because of uh, basically where I stand on free speech, which is really sad if you think about it. Um, And also, I think because uh, the left has become increasingly intolerant of any view that is not lockstep and where they are at. So, um, well, I'm always open to talking to somebody on the left, interviewing somebody on the left. Um, they just aren't willing, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> they just noticed. aren't. Yeah. I, so, uh, that it's my, um, well, there's a couple things at play here. Uh, it's not intentional that I, that I don't, uh, interview more Democrats or people mm-hmm. that are, uh, in opposition to where, where we're at. Um, the intentionality comes in where I do want to be intentional about interviewing people that. Uh, there's been efforts to suppress their voices because another tenant of journalism is to be a voice for the voiceless. And right now we are in a situation where people's voices have effectively been taken away. And um, any, any opportunity that I can to even in a small way, amplify those voices that um, have been systematically shut down is where I'm going to put most of my attention to achieve balance. So, I mean, anybody that would be like, oh, Christy, you said that you just wanted to be neutral and have balance. And then look at you, you're only in interviewing these people and these views. I would say like, yeah, because we have a balance issue. You are, <laughs> right, already, right. you are already getting that uh, one side. You're full stop. You're, you're getting it from everywhere. You're getting it from all of mainstream news, this one point of view. One so- point. It's actually um, helping to achieve balance if I if I do put more of my focus and, atten- and attention on the, this side that have been systematically shut down, literally censored, literally had their voices taken away. That's actually achieving the goal of balance if I if I focus my attention here because I know you've already heard that side, <laughs> right? You right. Know? Um. So why do I even need to repeat? what you've already heard, you know, that, so that's my rationale in terms of that for anyone that would say, um, that I'm not being balanced. I'd be like, no, there's this, I still can't even come close to, uh, getting the audience that is having to hear all of this. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Um, yeah, it is really, really imbalanced. And when you're talking about like the different platforms, that that's really frustrating to me too. And I was actually, I just interviewed yesterday, uh, the Google whistleblower and he's creating a new platform, which is awesome. But awesome. even he was kind of saying like, you know, the aggregates are coming from like a lot of the more mainstream places. And I'm like, so what, what do people do about that? Because a lot of really great voices have been kicked off those platforms. They can't even, you know, get the traction over, to some of the newer 
uh, you know, alternative platforms. And that that's a I think it's a real problem. I you know, I think he he believes that the aggregation is going to help solve that. And to some extent, I think so. But it's it's in the meantime, it's definitely really a concern. Mm hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I I don't know that I really answered your question. Um, I I also have a hard time marrying myself to any labels politically because um, they're constantly changing. I mean, the liberal Democrat of today looks nothing like the liberal Democrat of a couple decades ago, even a decade Mm -hmm. ago. I mean, listen to listen to the Democrats and how they talk about abortion in, well, I guess, man, man, I'm old. I was like, I said, even a decade ago. And then I was like thinking like of Clinton. I'm like, wait, that is actually a couple. Decades. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and anyways, I mean, whether it be a decade or a couple decades ago, I mean, listen to how they even talked about on the subject of abortion um, in what would still be considered recent years. Um, well, they've definitely about- progressed it. I mean, you know, now in California, it's like 28 days post birth is, you know, considered an abortion still. I mean, that's absolutely yeah. insane. The mantra for them used to be safe um, effective and rare, but now they, they definitely don't abide by that. And they used to be, I mean, even Obama, um, used to say he was adamantly against partial birth abortion. And now they're just all about anything, you know, it's to to the degree that it's scary to go out and talk to people on this subject, because you can say, well, I mean, I did say, I was like, is there any point at which you would say it's not okay to take the life of, 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 uh, or potential life, you know, pick, right. pick your poison on how you want to say this a yeah, life right. or a potential life. And I mean, the, the answer I got was it's my property. I should be able to do what I want. I mean, this is like how brazen it's gotten. <laughs> and then property. here we are today after this. Yeah. That here we are today after, um, this horrible, tragic shooting and, um, these same people are acting all upset when you just defended your right to kill a baby even shortly after birth because you're defining that baby as your property. And now you're going to act mad about this. I mean, it's also incongruent and it's it's sickening. Um, so and, you know, obviously. I, 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 can, I can say what I'm not. I'm obviously not a Democrat. Like they've completely right. like who, what even is that anymore? But at the same time, I cannot align myself with a Republican because like, what even is a Republican anymore? I, I, I that, that's why it's like, I can't, I don't want to marry myself to a label because it's just, there's been such disappointment on both sides of the aisle. Yeah. Even the reaction of this, even the reaction of this shooting, I haven't posted, you know, I, I typically in my nature, I would be like, what to be first to post about something. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I did when I, I think I was like the first to post about Texas um, school board association pulling out from the national association of school boards, like breaking and you know, you're proud when you can get those like good gets. I have yet to publicly post about this because it's so close to home. It's completely sickening. Um, and I'm s- disgusted with both sides right now uh, because um, I can't even process like what just happened um, with, I, I can't even process it. Um, I wanted to take a moment to breathe and grieve this crazy loss of life. And here I am having to see both sides of the aisle, Democrats and Republicans 
just jumping on this and completely starting making all these statements and political statements and, and things that we find out um, because we didn't wait even a moment to grieve the loss of life, things that weren't true on both sides. I, I'm sickened by it. So I still have yet to post publicly or even share an article because I was just, I'm still so disgusted with both sides right now. <laughs> uh, understandably, understandably. Yeah. And, uh, there, there is, and I, I, I personally think it's a, an intentional dehumanization. You know, if you, if you were just as a human being to look at the experience before even, you know, before even analyzing and assessing it, right? You, you would think, oh my goodness, you know, these children, they're children, right? I know. I mean, I feel like I can't, like I said, I can't, I, how can I say something when I, I feel like I haven't even, how can you appreciate that kind of loss of life? And, and you know what I mean by that? Like, yeah. I can't fathom it. Like, I, I feel like I can't, I like genuinely like can't process that that actually happened, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's insane. Yeah. I, I, well, I, I'm with you. I definitely, I, I think I started this, you know, and I, I kind of naively thought that a lot of this battle could be uh, won politically. <laughs> and I was really like, kind of, I look back on it and I feel like it was really kind of naive. I'm like we just get the right people in office and, you know, we're, we're going to fix this mess. And, uh, I, I think locally to some degree, there's truth in that. I, I actually think all politics are local and I do think we have some power. And like you said, I think that was so, uh, you know, apropos talking about, build your communities, you know, build your, your family, start with yourself and spread from there. And I think that is where humans do have the power to effectuate change. But, you know, I think federally, I think we are kind of, I, I personally think intentionally deluded into thinking, you know, that these, we can vote for one puppet versus the other. And somehow that's going to make There's this so many wolves in sheep's clothing and the whole system is broke. I mean, just the, even the fact that we have a two party system and we all are just kind of forced into that is really disappointing. Um, but I mean, I've seen it happen here in Texas. You have the, like people, people vote just for people, just because they have an R and just because yeah. they, um, think that nobody else could, could, uh, put up a fair fight or something. And it's just like, why do you complain about the way things are and then vote for the same stinking people, you know, yep. we need to be, take more risks, you know, in our vote, um, and really go with our gut. If everyone went with their gut, we wouldn't end up with the same phony people, you know, on both yeah. sides. Um, so it's really frustrating. And then obviously that's going down a whole another rabbit hole about the state of our elections on how safe they are. Anyways, I mean, all these things are, are heavy subjects and, I don't know. I mean, that's why at the end of the day, I'm so glad I have my faith because I have no faith in, in human and humans, you know, and, um, they're how they can be corrupted and how they can be complete phony and how they can present themselves one way and then switch under the right conditions. So at the end of the day, I mean, all I can rely on is God is the blessed controller of all things. And I'm going to try and support people that I feel like God is drawing my attention to. And then, you know, the rest is up to, up to God in the end, you know, what he will allow to happen or not, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. What do you see as the future of media, both uh, the independent media and the mainstream media? 
Um, I don't, I, mean, I don't know. I don't have a good answer. <laughs> Where's your crystal ball? I, I never, because I never thought that it, we would be at this point. I mean, I guess naively. Um, and like, like I said, maybe I was always looking at it with rose colored glasses because I was so passionate about it and right. it was something I loved. And, and now that I'm looking back, I'm like, we, man, we've always had these kinds of problems yeah. in media. Um, so it remains to be seen what the future is going to happen. I guess it's going to, we're either it, we're either going to go the way of um, they'll continue to push this online misinformation policy kind of stuff, in which case we're going to have to get way more creative with how we share information. Um, we might have to go back to paper and pigeons, and you know I don't know. Um, but I think that we have the heart to combat whatever um, evil they have up their sleeves. I think we'll always figure out a way to communicate with each other. Yeah. Um, that's my hope anyway. Um, but I, it's really hard to say what direction this is going to take, um, in terms of, of, uh, what we've come to know as journalism, because there's just so many variables at play in terms of what they do with, with digital media, which is really where it's at. I mean, we've definitely yeah. transitioned to digital media. If choice is allowed to rule, then we're going to see more independence and we're going to see less of, you know, traditional media but that's a big if. (laughs) (laughs) It unfortunately seems that way. It does seem uh, precarious. What would you advise to people in the independent space or what would you like to see uh, changed more of less of you had said Um, about the fear that part, but yeah, I'm wondering if there's anything else you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I would like to see more of this, like more collaboration. I think because we are kind of the underdog in this, um, mass communication arena that we should be looking for more and more opportunities to collaborate and kind of show our force with partnerships. Um, And I want to see more of the efforts to build a parallel system. Uh, Dan Bongino talks about this. I've grown to really, he's kind of a newer one I've been listening to. Who who is this? Dan Bongino. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he talks a lot about um, building this parallel system, and I think that's really important with with payment processors, with media. Um, gosh, we there's it's like we're behind. We have so many different things. I mean, I would love to see a parallel Amazon because I, I have become really reliant on Amazon just for oh, the yeah. of ordering. Like uh, something needs to happen with that. So. Um, yeah, more. I, I um, have heard yeah. people say, I actually have spoken to people who say they're building an alternative Amazon. So hopefully that I, that'd be help. great. That'd be great. Yeah. Cause I would like, love to ditch them too. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I, just, yeah. I would love to get to a point where I can just be supporting only people that support freedom and liberty and um, values, you know, that, and so I, I like seeing that there's efforts made in that direction, but yeah, I, and like, I mean, like we've already said, um, being able to embrace, uh, doing news, how it was always supposed to be done, just more yeah. of just delivering information, not having to play into the sensationalism or fear. Um, yeah. 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 I, I think it's really hard for people because even when they go out into the, the independent sphere, there's still a lot of the same control mechanisms at place, right? So, you know, even if they're not necessarily uh, beholden to the same mega corporations, they're, they're still beholden to 
trying to build an audience to big tech to whatever sponsorships they may have. Right. And that's a, I, I think that's a really difficult line for a lot of people to navigate. Mm-hmm. I'm not really you know, sure. I'm still trying to, to navigate it. Yeah. Like I need to, I need to find, I, I've put a lot of effort into finding and generating content and finding my voice in this independent space, but not, I haven't even begun to figure out how to actually make money off of it. Yeah. I, I, I hear <laughs> which you. Kind of, <laughs> which is kind of a little important, you know, um, yeah. I'm so thankful for those that have made donations, you know, but it's like, how long can that be sustainable? I'm so thankful for my sponsorship, um, by infowarsstore.com. Um, and that's another thing when I, uh, had this discussion with them, I, I said, I didn't, that I was looking to not be controlled, you know, and Mm -hmm. they've 100% been, um, great about that. They don't give me any directives. Sometimes I'm like more directives. I'm like, what do I do? Uh, no, they don't give me any directives on what to talk about, who I can talk to, or anything like that. Um, so oh, that's wow. that's true freedom. And so for anyone, because of course there's like former mainstream colleagues or haters that will be like, oh, I, oh my god, she contributes to Envoirs. Like it's this like huge insult. And I'm like, um, this is the first time in my entire journalism career where I haven't had somebody like directly telling me what I can and can't like cover and who I can and can't talk to. So which is worse, you know? <laughs> so uh, I think probably people would think that I would get directives or pressure and I really don't. That That's great. And then it's also, you know, there's the challenge in that, right? Like you know, then you have to, when you have complete freedom, I think that's just a challenge for human beings in general. Yeah, no, it is. It was very actually unsettling at first. Yeah. Um, and um, I've talked about that too. You know, the fact that it was so unsettling to, to be told I could kind of go where, wherever I want with this, um, was almost paralyzing and I was afraid of it. And that was telling because I'm like, oh my gosh, like we can't get so comfortable just as Americans with being controlled and directed that it will be right. uncomfortable when we try and get that freedom back. I mean, I think that's obviously in t- the intention, um, is that we will, they can condition us to want to be told what we can and cannot do. And, um, but yeah, I mean, so it was kind of a interesting allegory, if you will, when I made that self discovery (laughs) as far as that goes, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's been a great sponsorship and collaboration and, you know, um, I don't agree with everything that they talk about or say, and they don't demand that I do, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they they allow you to think critically and have an independent voice, right? I would say, like, I'm never going to agree 100% with anything anyone says because they're not in my head and I have my own thoughts. So there's no way. I mean, even the people I have, like, the utmost respect for, I'm still going to disagree with them on something. It's just, Mm -hmm. yeah, if you're actually thinking for yourself, then that's going to happen. You have different, you know, thought processes. You have a different set of experience. You have just a different makeup. So that's hopefully that that's where, you know, that's the purpose of the first amendment is to be able to have the discourse and the dialogue because people do have differing and, you know, sometimes dissenting opinions. And out of that is really where genuine, not, you know, the propaganda idea of progress, but right. you know, true. I had progress. a really fascinating conversation with an interview that I'm going, well, the plan is, <laughs> you know, how this goes, Courtney, the plan is I'm going to be releasing an interview tonight. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna try to release an interview I did with um uh 
Dr. Richard Fleming. So uh, we we talked about this because so again, you and I have talked to Malone and Peter McCullough and um, have you talked to Judy Mikevitz? I haven't. I would love I to. I haven't either. I haven't yeah. either. <laughs> so <laughs> even there. <laughs> um, but okay. So my point being is um, suddenly like I was hearing rumbles and some, I was getting senses of digs on both sides between some of them and like Dr. Fleming. And so I wanted to, being that I am the reporter I am, I wanted to <laughs> kind of like dig into that and be like, okay, like what's going on here? Um and so I confronted Dr. Fleming about that. And we had a really fascinating conversation um, just about, so his, his, in his defense, he is like essentially saying uh, like, yeah, I don't agree with their data and this and this. Um, and, you know, he, I was like, well, you know, what do you think that does to the resistance movement? You know, you're up okay. against such a big, overwhelming, you know, globalist world economic form. And like, and to have who we rely on as the resistance, if you Mm -hmm. will, like bickering, like, what do you think that is Mm going to do? Like if you don't have the unity. And I thought our conversation from that point was so um, interesting and productive because he was saying like, well, here's the thing. Um, This should just be further proof that we're actually doing science as it's intended to be done. He's like, this is how you would expect science to be where we would have debate and discourse and um, disagreements. He's like on our side, this like resistance side, um, there is that clearly. Yeah. Um, and he's like on, on the other side, there's none of that. They're all lockstep. So it's yeah. like almost like a unity by default of that you're, that you are all disagreeing <laughs> that you're, you're <laughs> yeah. practicing, you are practicing what you, what you preach. Now, again, there's definitely still this scuffle and I don't know what's going to come of it. I really don't. Um, cause it just seems like it gets more dramatic. The, the more the days go by, they're like, what you talked to Dr. Somebody said that you like, you talked to Dr. Did you know that he's fighting with him? Like, well, I would hope that, you know, the people that I've had relationships with Dr. Malone, Dr. Peter McCullough, I would hope that they wouldn't fault me for talking because I would be so hypocritical. <laughs> you oh, know of course. Like, um, I mean, I hate if Dr. Fleming has been like maybe too abrasive or, or not forthright. I, I, I don't know. I don't know the whole story. I can't get in all of their heads, but at the end of the day, I'm supposed to be willing to talk to anyone and anyone. Yes. And, 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 and like, this I've talked to them. So we've heard from them. So I'm going to, here's Dr. Fleming and you can decide for yourself if you think he's a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and if you agree or disagree, but that's up to you, the audience, the viewer, like I, if if I was like, Oh, well they're mad or they're accusing him of being like a Fauci puppet. And, and I don't talk to him, then I'm doing what I've been, been railing against censoring someone you know, at least let him speak. And then if you still think he's a Fauci puppet, well, there you go. You've gotten to decide for yourself, you know, <laughs> exactly. so I don't know. that's my defense. If any, if anybody ends up mad at me <laughs> for involving myself in this dispute, there's my disclaimer. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I absolutely agree. And I think part of the reason that we have such a demise of critical thinking is because people have been spoon fed Meta narratives, and so therefore they're literally incapable of adjudicating uh, 
between facts and fiction and using discernment because they haven't had to. They're just being fed one one voice and they don't have to sift through things. And, you know, I think it's a really interesting thing, especially when you talk about these doctors, because there's there is so much uh, controversy and dissenting views and even within, you know, the resistance movement. And people like to put people in boxes. People like to label things. And I think that's partly just human nature. But nobody is, no matter how brilliant, no matter how much experience and expertise they have, humans are valuable. They will never be 100% right on everything. So listen to them, hear them out. Maybe this person has, you know, a lot of really brilliant, profound and informative uh, insights. And there might be a few things in there that you know, are either wrong, possibly they can actually be wrong, um, or they might just be things you don't conceptually agree with. And that's okay. And then listen to somebody else who may actually say most things that you disagree with. And they have, there's this one kernel, this one gem in there. That's worth hearing, right? Mm -hmm. A broken clock is right twice a day. So, (laughs) you know, right? So I I think that is a huge, huge uh, problem. And it is, I think it is a problem even on our side, because I think what happens, this is my personal opinion on it, is that I think people have gotten lost in this uh, because they look at things politically. So they're trying to figure out strategy, right? And I hear this all the time from, especially from the Republicans, you know, well, we, we have to unify like the left does because they, they do, they, everything's in lockstep. And, you know, they, there's one, even if they disagree, that's behind closed doors. And then, you know, but we're supposed with- to be counter Nazis. Like, I, I don't agree with that. Like, I mean, just because they're acting like brown shirts all like marching in line i i don't think we should want that on our side that kind of goes against fundamentally what we've been preaching you know and they i think but i think that's what happened they start thinking in terms of strategy like they're like well that's the way to combat it and i'm like no the way to combat i think all of these things is just decentralization in general decentralization of thought too you know yeah i think we could stand to be more organized but that doesn't mean that we all need to agree you know, right. Yeah, I would agree with that. We, yeah, organization might be might be helpful. <laughs> there, there's definitely a dearth of that one. But yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think what were some of the other questions I was going to ask you? Um, what do you think are some of the biggest uh, issues plaguing our country right now, plaguing our country and plaguing the world? Hmm. I mean, first thing that pops in my head is um, God, like lacking God, you know, um, we push God out of everything and, and we're blaming, we're always finding issues to blame things on when it, when it really, this is pretty simplistic. It's like evil Mm -hmm. versus good, you know, and obviously from my faith angle, I'm going to see it through that light, um, Mm -hmm. that people need to see the light, you know, and, um, and hopefully through these hardships and trials and exposures, people will see um, fallen humanity and how much we need God. And um, I think that that's like the silver lining and things is I think it as our freedoms and our liberties and are threatened and there's, you know, you can, you're having to think of if you can even afford your rent because now gas is out, out the roof. I mean, there's this like, reliance on you know faith and trust and yeah that, that it can be provided for and will be provided for and it, and it and it really brings you back to faith 
I mean, if I'm honest with myself, like that's when I've been closest to God is when I'm suffering the most. It really stinks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you think about it, you know, cause I was just thinking about that the other day, I become so, so busy, um, yeah. that I still spend time in the word and, um, prayer, but it doesn't feel quite as authentic and special, I'll say, as it did when I was really in the thick of it. Like yeah. when I was doing my diary of a leader off, I was just thinking about this the other day and, um, yeah, that's unfortunate. So I just need to work harder to have more reflection time and really bring things back to that. Cause at the end of the day, all of these are distractions, yeah. um, on what's really important and, and, you know, bring it back to family and, and, Yeah. So, I mean, I think the most important thing is, is really to do, do whatever we can to protect freedom and liberty and truth, because I think that that's when we can be most effective for Christ. And yeah, that's, Mm -hmm. that's my, that's my political affiliation (laughs) with no no labels, but in summary. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. I I think a good versus evil is pretty much kind of the, the crux of it. Right. And, and that's not all that complicated. You know, it's, it, that's really, most people can kind of grasp that, right? I, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Do you think we're going to see another round of, um, well, I mean, we're starting to see the fear porn, but what, what do you think is going to happen with now? We're starting to see the monkeypox, and, you know, they just did the, the who pandemic treaty. What do you think is going to happen with, you know, the media with, uh, you know, measures and do you think people are going to kind of fall in lockstep again? I think they're going to have a, a lot harder of a time because I think that as this has progressed, people have really woken up yeah. to, um, the lies and the locusts of control. And I, so I do think that they are going to try to push these things forward and yeah. they're going to continue to try and push for this great reset. Um, but I just think it's going to become harder and harder for them as people have woken up. <laughs> that being said, you know, it, um, when you are exposed to all of this all the time and exposed to the truth and then yeah. over and over again, you're not really seeing a lot of wins. You're really yeah. not. You know, um, it does get discouraging and, and, as we started out this phone call, um, it can be hard on your mental health, <laughs> you know, cause it's like, Hey, I've been saying this, this is like never been more clear. Like how are people still so hypnotized yeah. with these other things and how, please tell me people are not going to fall for this crud again, you know? Um, but it, there's that part of me that is like, well, I've been seeing people fall for, it. I've been seeing us lose things we shouldn't lose, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, my theme, like you have to be plugged into God and, and surrender it. You know, that's definitely a theme um, just for my personal life is, you know, fight, but also it's it's oxymoronic, you know, fight you know, as hard as you can, but at the same time, surrender and not to man. You don't surrender, surrender to man, but you surrender to God's will in the situation. So because um, that's that's the only way anything's going to happen because everything is just so corrupt. You know, nothing's being done about the elections. Will anything happen with the Durham stuff? You know, um, will uh, the FDA, will Fauci, will any of them have to actually pay for their crimes against humanity? Like after covering this for almost a year now and not seeing enough done, it's hard 
not to lose hope. Right. You know? Um, so, I mean, I'm going to keep on fighting, but at the end of the day, yeah. it's up to God to, to see what, what happens with it all. It's always worthy to fight for a noble cause, regardless of what the outcome is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What would you advise to people who are kind of entrenched in the mainstream media from your perspective and your experience in it? Uh, you know, how would you advise people to maybe talk to somebody who is I'm really hypnotized by it? Um, I mean, the best thing to do is just continue exposure, you know, exposure of the, of the counter, um, narrative. Um, that's, it may seem like it's not doing anything with the more and more and more that you expose, eventually someone may finally break hypnosis. I mean, I have a friend that, you know, um, we've kind of, uh, basically our, our friendship is a little bit fizzled because she's been so such a victim of all of this nonsense and the mainstream narratives, you know, uh, but there in there, I know that there was at least one break and yeah. it was, was when she, uh, was pregnant and she was getting pressured to put, um, to take the vaccine. And it was just the, it was the, you know, obviously I was saying things against it, <laughs> but it was actually her personal experience when, when the doctor was so rude to her, so oh. arrogant and rude to her when she was like, I think I just want to hold off for now because it's so new. He he just treated her like so crappy that she was like, oh, heck no, I'm not going to do that. So it was a little bit of a crack, you know, in yeah. her, in her um, bubble, we'll say. Okay. And um, I don't know how far, if that crack is, you know, cause we really <laughs> don't talk that much anymore because right. of the hypnosis kind of thing. I think she gets probably offended by some of the stuff that I put out there, but she, she thanked me for what I'm doing. And she said that she didn't do that. So there's hope and that, that, I don't know, and maybe it's just that one crack will, will start to spread. We'll see. Yeah. Ripple effect. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. I, yeah, I've had that experience as well with some very close friends and it's sad. It's really sad. I mean, the other thing I would caution is just like be kind. I like please be kind and compassionate. I struggle with this myself because I'm a passionate person. So once right. I, once you get going, like I want to like, but what about this? And <laughs> yeah. I, I'm constantly having to check myself. Um, couple examples, you know, I went out to do this like true or false like thing that I do. Um uh, I hadn't done one in a while. And so I went out and did this man on the street thing you know, I'm um, asking people about the Roe v. Wade situation. Yeah. And the first day that I went, like I said, like the responses were so abrasive that I kind of lost my cool and you can't get, you can't get anywhere. Like yeah. I felt, I felt ashamed the next day. I was like, Ugh, the Bible says be quick to li- listen. So to speak, like, shut up, Christy, just shut up. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, just like if, if I listen compassionately, you know, maybe I'll get somewhere. So the next day we went out and tried to do this. Cause like the first day was total bust. Like we didn't get anyone to talk mm-hmm. to us really. Um, this is uh, by the way, this is up on my band. This one is out and up on my band page right now. <laughs> but anyways, um, uh, so I was softer and I like wasn't so quick and, and it's kind of funny because like, I already saw some comments like, oh, Christy isn't as good at this as like maybe Mark Days or whatever. Like she should stick to the studio. But I think that that's because like the next day when I went out, I was like so committed to like having a softer approach that it didn't translate as well to the audience that wants to see conflict. But that's, I 
I don't care. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I hope you still watch it because um, I, it, would, the, it was a good ending in the sense that like, I actually got to get out there and have productive conversations. Right. And that's what we need more of is productive conversations. We need to stop with this like need to win the argument and just talk and listen. Yeah. And, and, you know, let's bring discussion back, you know, let's bring debate back, but like respectful kindness. Another thing that's been really disappointing for me, um, is I, ha- I made a friend in Lady Maggie USA. He describes himself as a trans, um, artist, mm-hmm. like, like, a, like, a, but like, he's not trans, he's just a gay man. And, you know, he, um, likes, likes to play with makeup and like whatever, you know, but he's proud of being a gay man. And so he, um, have for the past three years, he's been calling out, um, the cultural dominance of this new LGBTQ mm-hmm. movement. And he's done it so bravely. And I was like, I'm in so awe of him because he doesn't really have the support of, um, well, he definitely doesn't have the support of the LGBTQ. They, they sure. hate him. They've, they've been abusive to him, whatever, because he has rejected their narrative. Wow. But then at the same time, he's been extremely rejected by the conservatives because um, they just lump him with, in with like the pedos or whatever. And right. he, he's so not like that. You know, he, he was raised in a Mormon family. Um, he's like, he says he's a gay man. He says he supports your right to not support that. He's a gay man. He's like, I will take, I would take a bullet for your right to say that you don't agree with my lifestyle, you know? Um, and, and even with saying all that such nasty comments. And I'm like, I was, I was disappointed in the couple of times I interviewed him because like I got a text and he got a text and I'm like, look, I literally said in the interview, you know, I'm a person of the faith. So, you know, I have to tell you, I don't think that the lifestyle you're living or that you're connecting yourself with is God's best for you. Um, how does that make you feel like, like to him? And, wow. and, 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 he, and he, because I, cause, cause I said, I, I said, I want to test your tolerance is what I said to him. <laughs> then I said that. And he's, and that's when he was basically like, I would take a bullet to defend your right to tell that to me. And he's like, and and I was like, well, um, I love you (laughs) despite, (laughs) yeah, I mean, despite like that, I don't think that that's God's best for life. Um, and I'm, and I'm going to stand in that truth. Um, the Bible doesn't say that I need to like force you know, it on you that at the end of the day, that's a personal relationship with you and Christ. And I can pray that God convicts your heart. Um, but that's, it's not my will, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was really disheartening to see all the negative comments both directed at me and him, because I'm like, um, if you're, if you're truly a Christian and you're truly studying Jesus life, you know, he said the greatest of these is love and love your neighbor as yourself, you know? And so where's the love? Like, where's the kindness? Like, how are you going to reach someone for Christ by, calling them names and telling them that they're a sinner and you know whatever like he he knows that he he literally you don't think he's ever been told he's a sinner before you know (laughs) right he he doesn't need you to tell him that he knows that you're saying that that that's a biblical truth but that's his relationship with christ and christ will have to convict him you know in that area um but you're not going to win him for for christ with that method. So that's really frustrating. So kindness and compassion in all of these conversations needs to happen more. Yeah, I, I so agree. And I, I hope we see that. So have you had, I saw like not too long ago, you were 
almost arrested. So I, I guess my, my question, right? <laughs> I want to ask, have you had some like moments in your career that are, you feel are like kind of dangerous and scary and maybe talk about the ones that maybe were the most and how do you handle that? Yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I handle it very carefully. I like to <laughs> toe around, you know, um, I, I, I but it, I have to surrender at the end of the day. If I like end up in jail, got a lot to happen, you know, um, mm-hmm. and there was a purpose for it. And maybe that's the one thing that needed to happen to like wake somebody up. But yeah, it's scary, especially being a mom, because it's like, I can't yeah. really afford. Like, yeah, I totally thought that for you. I was like, yeah, oh my gosh, your kids, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but it is scary. I mean, these are evil people. And I pray for protection um, for me and my family on a daily basis, because yeah, the, they are evil people and they have evil plans. And I, I worry about that even with the school district I'm, I'm in. Like these people are so hateful. They hate what I'm doing and they hate that I'm exposing. Um, and so I'm like, I sometimes my mind runs away with me and like, what could they try and like do to me? Like, what if they tried to report me to, you know, with just an accusation? Because this, this is the kind of lawfare stuff that they, they do to people. Yeah. But I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. It's not going to you mean a good to sit here and worry about it, right? Right, right. Sure, <laughs> you know, sure. Put in front of the other one, one situation, you know, at a time. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. It, it's it's very brave. I just wondered, like, it's got to be how what goes through your head in those kind of situations, right? Yeah. So, do you have any? Uh, I, I like to give people a sense of hope. Because they, as we were talking about, this can take a toll on your mental health. And I don't want to be like the doom and gloom. You know, I want people to be aware and to start questioning things. Uh, but I, I do think there is a lot to be hopeful about. And so I like to find out what you think. <laughs> I think there is lots to be hopeful for. I mean, I, <clears throat> one thing that I have noticed is more people than ever, I feel like, have been more receptive to having spiritual conversations, mm-hmm. um, to recognizing that this is a spiritual battle. And um you know, I think that this is, has definitely shown a light on that. I feel like, uh, we had a different, whole different situation, obviously back in nine 11, but I remember there was like kind of like a great revival after the whole nine 11 thing happened. And I'm kind of seeing that right now, um, that there's like almost like another great revival. So I have hope in that more people are turning to Christ, more aware of Christ. Um, and, that we're even like thinking about those things. So I think that that is definitely the silver lining um, of all of this is the exposure. You know, the Bible talks so much about bringing light to darkness and gosh, we have seen it. Haven't we, we have seen so much light shown on darkness. And so we can be so thankful for that. And um, God wins in the end, you know, he really does. So uh, we will surrender to that. We are armed with, with, um, the word of God and the Holy spirit. And so we just keep on pressing forward and see what happens. <laughs> but I, I, I do feel as, as much as I, I do get down and I surrender that because like, let's face it, you know, read Psalms and read David and him like complaining and be like, Oh, how long, how long God and tell you, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's almost funny when you read that now. Cause it's like, we, we do that too. Right. Oh, how long will you allow my enemies to, you know, I always um, say patience is the, that elusive virtue I've never possessed. Yeah. Get it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's so we're all David's again, you know, like in this experience and we're going to complain and we're going to be discouraged, but you know, at the end of the day, we are ch- children of God and we will, we will have victory. 
you know, in Christ. I love it. I love it. Well, it's been awesome. Thank you so much for being here. If you have anything else you want to leave us with and definitely tell everybody where they can find you and all your work. Yeah. I mean, just, just keep on supporting, um, independent journalists like myself. If you don't like me, then please support somebody else. You know, that's all I ask. Um, just support independent journalism because it is tough. Um, anything that you can do to support and share and get in those other platforms. You can find me at freenews.news. Um, and then Christy Lee TV is kind of like where you can find me on everything. Twitter, Instagram, true social. It's all Christy Lee TV. You know, I try to make it uniform. So, um, yeah. So keep an eye out what I'm doing, share it and support. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Courtney. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.